seated. And uh, turn at this time to the Word of God, to your Bibles, the Word of God, Acts 2, 22 through 36. Acts 2, chapter 2, beginning at verse 22, reading through to 36. And uh, let me uh, <clears throat> say, uh, I once in a while will remind you that there's a prayer request uh, slip that's uh, there in the insert that you can uh, give to me. Make sure you give it to me in time uh, for me to pray over that. And I look at the request for help, by the way, uh, for Trinity as uh, a prayer request. So I'm going to include that when I pray for the word. That we will hear. So, shall we uh, read the word of God first? So, I will read it. Please follow along with me. Hear the word of the Lord. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad, Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with, my, with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither, was, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, yet shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou in my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are thankful for this exalting, this God-exalting and Christ-exalting and Holy Spirit-exalting message that you put into the heart and that you spoke through the lips of your servant Peter. O Lord, bless it to our understanding. And Lord, we pray for your blessing upon Trinity Church and upon 
its ministry and upon its shepherd and his family and upon, Lord, the ongoing work of building Christ church. Because, Lord, this is what you have called us to do. And that in so doing, you are building your church so that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And bless, Lord, this effort to, uh, this uh, uh, work day uh, coming up uh, to restore the carpet there in the sanctuary. And, Lord, may there be uh, healthy and helping hands, Lord, uh, to the many tasks that will be involved in that uh, effort. And, Lord, to you be the glory for all that we do, especially uh, when we uh, together work towards the common goal of glorifying you and serving you by, Lord, serving your bride, your church. In Jesus' name, amen. The resurrection of Christ. The age of fulfillment is at hand. As Paul would, would note, when the fullness of time was come, God set forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons or of children. Peter gives a full account of the ministry, death and triumphant resurrection of Jesus the Messiah. Peter defends Jesus as Israel's Messiah, according to the scriptures. He calls sinners to repentance from unbelief, be they Jews or even Gentiles that were probably there at this particular time of Pentecost. I have broken this up into two parts, and so we'll focus this time on the first part, which is from verses 22 through 28. 22 through 28. There are four parts that are here, that are used as evidence of the resurrection of Christ. And they are building his case to his audience. And first is Jesus' life, found in verse 22 of our verse, which I will reread. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Jesus of Nazareth, a humble name, identifying him in his earthly ministry. Because what comes from Nazareth, or what comes out of Galilee? Prophets? Messiah? How about fishermen? By miracles and wonders and signs, God validated the Messiahship of Jesus as he has done with others lesser, such as the prophets that did perform miracles like Moses and Elijah and even Elisha. But God also promised that this one who would would come, would come forth doing all of, the, all of the above and more. As is recorded in Luke 7, 22, Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, 
The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. To the poor, the gospel is preached. Second, Jesus' death. Jesus' death in verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. Notice the determinate counsel. This was determined or predetermined before the foundations of the world, all the way from eternity past. When was that? Where was that in the eternal counsel of the Godhead, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, when they determined that this is what they were going to do? And I will not even begin to try to explain all the ins and outs of this, because much of this is in the secret will of God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But yes, there's some things such as this verse that are revealed unto us and to our children that we may know them. As Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.9, just so that we have uh, backing from other scripture, we don't want to just go off on a ledge here, you know, and, uh, and not be able to support God's truth from other scripture. So, in 2 Timothy 1.9. Even though I have it written here, I'm going to turn to it anyway, just to give you time to also turn to it. Tricky, huh? <laughs> 2 Timothy 1.9. Reads. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, it's not by works lest any man should boast, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus, when? Before the world began. How can we deny that God is a God of election? How can we deny that God is a God of predestination when it's here in black and white? We may not fully understand it, but it doesn't change the fact, because facts are facts, especially with God especially of God. And another one, Revelation 13, 8. We're going to fast forward this to eternity future by turning to Revelation 13, 8. So Revelation 13, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Notice that. One day all that will dwell on the earth will worship him. Whether they worship him willingly, voluntarily, on bended knee, talk about volunteerism. Or when they're forced to bow the knee to the conquering king who will vanquish his enemies. And as the word of God says, will subject them at his feet in his throne room. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So Jesus dying on the cross as being slain in our behalf was already planned by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And foreknowledge doesn't mean that he simply knew of what is ahead, foreknowledge, but that he knew what is ahead because he planned what would be forthcoming in time and in space. 
In other words, God planned that Jesus die on the cross. The plan that Jesus would be an atonement sacrifice for his people. And notice, by wicked hands have crucified and slain. It's an indictment against the unbelieving Jews who instigated Jesus' death and carried it out with the help of the Romans, who were, of course, in control of the land. It was a tributary, that is, Israel was a tributary of the Roman Empire. Later in another sermon by Peter, in Acts 4, 27 and 28, Acts 4, 27 and 28, just so that you know that this is fact and 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 uh, and, uh, and and that Peter uh, was not just uh, this didn't just slip out of Peter and then later was having to retract it, but that in fact this is what he believed and therefore spoke. Acts four twenty seven for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. What? To celebrate him? What? To exalt him? No. Or to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And what was that? To crucify him and to slay him. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, says the scriptures. And not just because it was predetermined does that absolve the guilt of the ones who are the instruments or the cause of this, humanly speaking. The secondary causes, as we would call them, versus the primary cause was God. Look up another scripture, Acts 13, 27 through 30. Acts 13, 27 through 30. And this will establish that ignorance of the law or of the word no excuse that they are just as responsible though God had preordained all that would come to pass in the world's court when he would allow his son to be executed on the cross for they that dwell at Jerusalem and the rulers because they knew him not nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet they desired that Pilate, sh uh, they desired Pilate that he should be slain. In other words, in spite of it not being supportable, in spite of there being no evidence, no basis for sustaining guilt, of Christ for the alleged crimes against the law of God or against the law of Israel or against the law of the Roman Empire for that matter. Yet, yet, they would go ahead and have him executed. Talk about the height of, of atrocity, of <clears throat> wickedness. There could not be anything greater than this and then reading on. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher grave. But God raised him from the dead. 
he was vindicated in the end. The Jews, top to bottom, knew, as I've said, what the scriptures say. They heard it over and over in their, in their synagogues, in the temple, first. They didn't know Jesus. Well, that is evident from what was just read. Yet, did that stop them from signing his death warrant? Though he was an innocent man. Yes, according to their law, charged with blasphemy. But was that sustainable? Was that sustainable, according to the law of God, with evidence? And again, all this the part, part of the plan of the triune God. And to make sure it was accomplished, look what happened next in that verse 30. God raised him from the dead. Because God had his plan that he was carrying out over and above their plan. Because while they were out to do evil, God was intent upon doing good, even eternal good, to the souls of many that would be redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world time. Now third is Jesus' resurrection, verse 24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains or pangs of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. It's not possible. It's true that uh, in the course of uh, those days uh, of in question, that Jesus' body disappeared. Maybe he never really died. Whoa, let's look back at what really happened John 1932-34, shall we? John 1932-34. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first, meaning the first thief, uh, the, the first crucified one, whichever that one was, uh, that they started with, and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already. There we go. There's the evidence, right? There's the proof. They break not his legs. Okay, so he got away with not having his legs broken like the other two, right? But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water from his side. Remember, he had a, he had a hole there so gaping big that, that Christ said to, to Doubting Thomas, Put your fist into my side and be not faithless but believing as well as putting your fingers into the holes in my hands created by those nails I lost my place here. just give me a moment but one of the soldiers with, pierced, with a spear pierced his side and forth came there out blood and water and this is also what is prophesied and then after three days, the women disciples, they go to the tomb, right? To find the body, to prepare it uh, as their, uh, their want was to do. They didn't have time initially when he was put in there uh, initially on the first day or the first day, which was in the evening of his crucifixion. And so they were there for that purpose. And in Matthew 28, 5 through, five through 8, Matthew 28, 5 through 8, what do we read here?
And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. I would too. <laughs> and did run to bring his disciples word. He is Lord, he is Lord, he is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And then what we see in the sermon of Peter is him turning, actually turning like we have been doing, to a passage in the Old Testament, Psalm 16, 8 through 11. So I'm going to turn there also. And I'm going to read those verses from Psalm 16, 8 through 11, which is what he borrowed from the Old Testament for his message, at least this point in his sermon. And it reads, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So these are the words of Psalm 16, 8-11. Now here again, Peter's quoting of this in Acts 2, Acts 2, verses 25 through 28. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad, Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. He is not referring, that is, Peter is not referring to these words as it were the words of David, but as the words of Christ. For King David died, didn't he? And his body did see corruption. In fact, there's a sepulcher still. And might I add also his soul. Living physical being is the meaning of, of that word in the Hebrew. Soul is more comprehensive than just that spiritual part of you. It's, it's like the whole of you. It's like what we will be in our resurrection bodies complete body and soul so that those who have gone ahead to glory and who are there spiritually will be reunited with their bodies and be complete in that last day and so his soul that is David King David's is still in the place of the dead 
It's called Hades in the Greek. It's called Sheol in the Hebrew, at least until the second coming of Christ. Peter was speaking of King David's greater son, and I don't mean Solomon either. Peter is quoting the Lord Jesus Christ himself rejoicing on the resurrection day morning. And that's today, by the way, that we commemorate that. After three days in the belly of the earth, therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. My flesh shall rest in hope. And this is so opposite of what Jesus felt on the cross when he said in the ninth hour, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, which is another quote from Psalm 22. Again, the word hell is the word, not eternal hell, but the equivalent of the place of the dead. In other words, he would not be in that place for very long for those three days. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, thine holy one. That's himself. That's the sinless son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who lived such an impeccable and sinless life that there can be no fingers that would be sustained in pointing the finger of blame at him. And such a willing and loving example of suffering for others by suffering the death of the cross, most especially. Not for those who deserve to be saved. Not for those who are righteous, but for sinners. As Peter would say, for Christ also at once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. For as Paul would say in Romans chapter 5, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for who? The ungodly. That you and I were ungodly. And he goes on, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were good people? No, sinners. Christ died for us. And then lastly, for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You see, we are saved by Christ's life and death and resurrection from the dead. When Jesus rose again from the dead, he sealed the deal once and for all. He said it is finished, but it was not only at the cross when he finished that part of his work that ended in his dying on the cross that was finished and that he died but that his work in the empty tomb and his resurrection would be part of that finished work of Christ and so it is equally true of his resurrection as it was of his atoning death on the cross of Calvary this is why the resurrection is such great news and any message that would leave the resurrection out and only preach the death of Christ and the sufferings of Christ falls short and is not complete. 
and therefore it is not the true gospel. And this is why it is in the heart of the message of Peter. And it is said of him and of others that preached after him that with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. So much so that hundreds and even thousands came into the kingdom of God of a sudden. It was a revival that has not been equaled since then. Although there would be other great revivals that would follow. In application, Jesus and now Peter, after he was converted, after the Lord said, I, uh, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but I'm praying for you. And when you were converted, go and strengthen your brethren. And strengthen them he did. So Jesus and now Peter preached love instead of hatred. Peace instead of retribution. Jesus and also Peter through his sermon brings light to others instead of darkness as the false prophets and others do. As is said of our Lord by John, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Peter can't open any man's eyes. I can't open any of your eyes. No man can open anyone else's eyes that are flesh and blood sinners. But we can point to one who can. And he's called the living word. He's called the eternal life incarnate. He's called the light of the world, as we have already noted. And I'm going to close by reading from John 1, uh, 8 through 13. Uh, John 1, 8 through 13. He was not that light, that is, John was not that light, the one who wrote this gospel, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, the children of God, is what it is in the Greek. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And now Jesus tells us to spread his message through Peter, as Peter did. So must we do. And he said to them, upon his return to his glory, as we we're going to talk further about next time in the will of the Lord, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And, but he that believeth not shall be dead. May God bless the preaching and the hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. If he had not risen from the dead, we would still be in our sins. Our faith would be in vain. Everything, Lord, that we believed and stood for in our walk as believers, in our being one of your churches, would all have been for nothing. Oh, Lord, 
Thanks be to God for the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ in his coming back to life and finally in his ascending back to his glory at your right hand where he is now. Where you, Lord Jesus, are interceding for us through our praying and through your word at work in our lives. And Lord, continue that work, we pray. We ask you and plead with you as well as give thanks to you in your name, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Okay. Let's sing our hymn, Alas Hymn 706.